Can I teach them how to be driven? No. Can I show them what that looks like? Sure. Can I show them what self-discipline looks like? Yes. But in order to really be successful at pulling yourself up and through all of the vicissitudes and difficulties of striking out on your own, you got to develop those skills for yourself. Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, I know what happened. How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he and what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. Oh yeah, welcome back everybody to another episode of Small Business Origins. You're tuned in to our nationwide search for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. Joining us virtually in the studio, I've got an entrepreneur that wants to do just that. From Los Angeles, California, we have Nathaniel Dolquist with Grove Prep. Nathaniel, welcome to the show. Hey John, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, man. It's always our pleasure to talk to other business owners and see what y'all are up to. But before we hop into it, we always start out with our icebreaker question. And today's question is, what is the hardest class you have ever taken? Oh, man, what a great question. The hardest class, it's actually super easy for me, though. The hardest class I ever took was freshman biology at Yale. And I took it as a junior, but all the other kids in there were freshmen. So they were very, very eager to prove how smart they were. And I was like, I am in over my head. I used to be good at math and science in high school. Then I went to the Ivy League and discovered there are people much more prodigious at those things than I am. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't imagine, man. I am still a student because I just go like half time with Concordia University in Texas. And I would say the answer for me would be accounting. Man, I am not one that did well in school with math and that kind of stuff. Definitely needed a tutor for that course. It was absolutely the worst. It's not that that type of math is hard. There's just so much to remember with, you know, journal entries and credits and debits and, you know, what you need to put in and where and all that stuff. It was a difficult class to get through. Plus, it doesn't help whenever you're not interested in what you're learning. Oh, man, absolutely. I just tutored a kid in accounting this semester, and it is wild. It's just like, one, where do you put each thing? The rules change depending on what you're doing and which sheet you're on. It's just crazy. Yep, I agree 100%. But before we hop into everything, we always have to stop and take a second to talk about our sponsors. If you're looking to travel to more places than traditional commercial airlines can offer while experiencing the luxury, convenience, and comfort only a private aircraft can bring, you need to book with my friends at Haven Arrow. They offer the easiest way to enjoy the extensive benefits of private air travel because you can access a wide variety of aircraft types and take advantage of far more destination options for direct flights into airports closer to your destination and on your schedule. Plus, you'll receive thoughtful personal attention to your comfort and lifestyle requests like getting to skip the lines and restrictive schedules of airline travel and enjoy all of the convenience and luxury of a private aircraft experience while saving time. Their aircraft are maintained to the highest standards, ensuring safe and reliable flights. Haven Aero takes the stress out of travel and allows you to arrive in style. If you're in the market, Haven Aero is there to support you when it comes time to buy or sell your aircraft. Buying or selling an aircraft can be a daunting task for any owner, and Haven Aero takes the guesswork out 
and provides maximum value for you. Their analytical approach to aircraft brokerage will leave you confident that your asset value is being maximized with minimal effort and minimal stress to the owner. Haven Arrow's team has extensive maintenance and operational experience, and they know how to avoid the extensive list of potential issues that arise during an aircraft sale or acquisition. Don't miss out on the benefits of flying private, whether it's through a private charter flight, aircraft ownership, or aircraft management. Make sure to mention you heard all about them from John the Marketer on the Small Business Origins podcast and visit havenarrow.com to learn more and book your flight today. That's www.havenarrow.com, H-A-V-E-N-A-E-R-O.com. But now that we got that out of the way, Nathaniel, we're here to talk about you, man. Tell us all about you, where you came from, and how you got into entrepreneurship. Oh, well, I'd be so happy to do it. So yes, I'm Nathaniel Dahlquist. I am a private tutor. I'm also an actor and circus performer in Los Angeles. And it's been quite the journey. I grew up in Kansas City and Colorado. And then my senior year of high school got into Yale. So I went to Yale for college and just for undergrad, I got a theater studies degree. And in my final year at Yale, I was wondering, okay, well, now what do I do for money? Because it's going to take some time for acting to pay the bills, which it still doesn't yet. We can talk about that later. (laughs) But I was like, all right, I know I'm moving to New York City. What do most Yaleys with a theater degree do when they move to New York City? And the answer was private tutoring. And so I got jobs with a couple of different tutoring companies in New York City right off the bat. And it was a really good lifestyle for me because you can't start before 3 p.m. And the main work hours for private tutors are usually between 3 and 9 p.m. on weekdays and then maybe weekends as well, depending on what different families need. So I got hired at a couple of different companies and It was honestly my first, I'd had student jobs all through school because I had to to pay for it, but it was my first experience like out in the real world. And what I soon discovered is that (laughs) you can get paid vastly different amounts for the exact same job, depending on where you are. Mm. So it's pretty crazy because, you know, I really believe in like transparency around these financial things because I don't really think there's anything to hide on the private tutoring scale, but you know, you can tutor for as little as you want. You can tutor for 20 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour, or you can tutor for 250, $300 an hour. And it just depends on how you've positioned yourself and what exactly you're doing, which subjects you teach and which market you're in. So it really, it can really vary widely. So anyway, I got in with these companies and a lot of people in New York are quite wealthy. And I found myself in the homes of some very, very wealthy and famous people. And I thought, why am I only getting paid $23 an hour to be here? These people can clearly afford more than that. What's going on? And so there was one company that was paying me like 23 bucks an hour. I left them after a while amicably. It was fine. And then I was working for another company and they were paying me like 50 bucks an hour. The next year they gave me a raise to 55. The year after that was 60. And then I got up the courage to ask one of my clients how much they were paying. And they said $220 an hour. God. And I was like, I rage quit, to be honest. I was like, I really feel like this is unethical. I'm doing so much work. I understand you guys have an office in New York City and have a lot of overhead and need to have wide margins, but I'm doing all the legwork here. I'm driving these people, blah, 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 goes on forever. So I rage quit and I did not steal any clients from them. I didn't violate any of the contracts that I signed with them, but I did, you know, I amicably finished out my time with the students they had gotten for me. And then I left and I started building up my own base of private clients. And what was crazy is, you know, I started charging $80 an hour 
And I thought it was highway robbery. I was like, this is amazing. I'm like tutoring a kid for 80 bucks. This is fantastic. And my clients were like, oh my gosh, this is so much cheaper for us. So they told all their friends and I swiftly developed essentially a full-time job of teaching. By full-time job, I don't mean 40 hours a week. I mean, like I maxed out my tutoring abilities. So I would tutor all day on Sundays. I'd have like eight students running around New York City. I walked seven miles a day. I was in great shape. I was very lean that those couple of years from all the walking. And basically I had this private base of students and they referred me to all of their friends because it was so much cheaper than going through the regular companies. And I still had the degree and the qualifications and the ability. It was just cheaper. So then I started to realize, okay, I don't have any more room in my schedule for this. Like, and then I gritted my teeth and I was like, okay, it's a hundred dollars an hour. And you know what people said? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just raised the rates and poof, it didn't matter. And then I gritted my teeth again. I had a new client and I was like, okay, now it's 125. And she was like, okay. And then she told all of her friends. And then all of a sudden, you know, my students would graduate. I sort of phased out the people who were paying less. And for a little while there, I was charging like basically 125 an hour. And it was awesome. I felt like I was riding in a boat on a sea of money. It was great. I was really, really pleased. I like you know, was successfully paying off my debts and doing the best that I could and like actually had a little bit more money than I needed to survive. I wasn't like buying the least expensive can of beans I could find anymore. And so it was really, I was like, oh, I've made it. This is so great. And then <laughs> I, during the pandemic, everything changed because, so I'm still an actor during this whole thing. And I was a singer on a cruise ship in the spring of 2020. And we got stuck for about two months. We were right off the southern coast of Barbados. I did not suffer. It was okay. That whole experience was totally fine for us, thank God, because we didn't have any COVID on board, but we were stuck. And then I tried to move back to New York and I was like, absolutely not. This city has totally changed. I don't want to be here. This is really not it for me. But everything was online. So I just picked up with all my old clients and was like, oh, now all of a sudden I'm like not four hour work weeking exactly because I wasn't, I was still like, you know, putting in time for money, but I was able to do it from wherever. So I lived in Colorado for a year and a half. And then I decided to move to LA because I want to, my acting opportunities are better over there. And most of my clients are still in New York. And it's so great because now because of the time difference, instead of three to nine, my hours are noon to six which is life-changing for me because I don't have to be up quite so late. It's been so great. So over the past year, I thought, okay, I can't scale myself anymore. I have maxed out my hours, so I have two options. I can raise the rates or I can hire more people. And I did both. <laughs> so I started my tutoring company, Grove Prep. And basically, it's most of, I, the first thing I did was interview and hire most of my friends from Yale because a lot of us are still private tutors in various cities as we pursue our artistic endeavors as well. So I hired a bunch of my friends and said, okay, so here's the overflow. But when I created the company, I was like, I don't want any of this nastiness that I encountered with the other tutoring companies I used to work for. So I decided to develop a company that I would want to work for. And the first thing, my first rule is that tutors get to set their own rates. So they can set however much they want to make. And that's really important to me because 
I don't want to have any resentment between the people that I, you know, refer clients to and myself. And that's how I would want to be treated as a tutor. And I'm also completely transparent with them, which with how much I have to charge to make that worth it for me. So I basically, whatever my tutor's rate is, whatever they want to make, I have to double it in order to pay for, to, you know, pay my business partner, pay for the software I use, pay for myself, for the work that I do for those clients, even though I'm not teaching them directly. And of course, pay all the taxes because there are so many, especially in California. Oh, dear God. So (laughs) yeah. And I really believe in that transparency because if people don't want to work for me, I don't want them to work for me. I want to have relationships with my tutors that are very collaborative where they trust me and feel like totally fine asking me for help or advice or to help handle a situation, whatever. And at the same time, like I want it to be worth it for me, but I don't need to be making four times what they're making. Like, I just, I don't need that as my cousin is an economist. And he said, you know, Nathaniel, you're a bad capitalist and we should all aspire to be bad capitalists. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I'm not here to squeeze everybody for as much as I can. I'm here to provide a service and to help them and make their lives better. And so the company has really developed. And what I swiftly found out is that, you know, my tutors want to make $100 an hour. I have to charge $200. I was only charging $125 to my own clients. And I was like, I am the head of this company. I cannot be charging less for myself than I am for other people. So I took a really deep breath. And I doubled my rates over the summer. And to my great surprise, rather than having people run away screaming because it's too expensive, I can no longer take students for less than $250 an hour. Wow. And I don't have time. I don't have time. And you know what? It's worth it to these families. And I'm really good at my job. And it has been so rewarding for me. I bought a house this year. Like my life has completely changed because I started valuing myself and my services differently. It took a lot of therapy to get there, to be honest. My therapist was like, you realize that people less qualified than you are charging double, right? And I was like, yeah, but I don't want people to run away or think it's too expensive. I'm like, and he said, dude, that's their problem, not your problem. You got to find the right clients if that's your issue. So you got to find people who value you and value what you do and see that not only are you helping their kids get through school and, you know, making sure that they pass their classes, but you're also educating them. You're giving them something more. And it's a little bit of therapy. What I do with these, you know, 16 and 17 year olds, some of them have never been asked questions of that depth before. When I work with them on their college applications and I say, I want you to tell me this story about your life. And they're like, nobody wants to hear that story, Nathaniel. And I say, oh, contraire. That's one of the most interesting things about you is what you've experienced in your life and how you experienced it through your own lens. So I've just had a ball. I've upgraded my problems, right? So now I can buy the more expensive can of beans. But now, you know, it's the biggest issue that I'm finding now is I've got a lot of tutors and I want more clients for them. So this is a hilarious issue. I feel very blessed to have this problem. But when I talk to people on the phone or when they listen to my podcast, uh, the Top Tutor podcast, or find me on social media or whatever, they call and they want to work with me, which is great, but I don't have time. I can't take everybody because I got to grow the company too, in addition to making enough money to pay the mortgage. So the issue right now is I say, oh my gosh, I have this amazing tutor for you. They are so awesome. They genuinely are. I mean, they're some of my favorite people in the world because that's as a huge criteria for me, criterion for me, for when I'm hiring people. And they say, well, yeah, that's great, but we want you. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then it's $300 an hour. And a lot of times they say, okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I'm like, wait, I'm trying so hard to make you go with my other tutor. I've raised my rates to exorbitant levels that I think are like, oh my God, really? But that's what they want. And you know what? That means that my services are worth that much if that's what the market is willing to pay. So it's been a really crazy adventure from you know, 23 bucks an hour to a degree of magnitude more than that. And my life has seen the upgrade as well at the same time. And the other thing that I love about being an entrepreneur and working for myself is that I can set my own hours. I'm my own boss. I have a couple times had to have a talk with the boss myself and be like, all right, dude, you're too tired. Like you got to cancel something. You got to cancel something else and sleep some more because you did not give that student the service that they deserve. Like you didn't teach very well today. (laughs) So sometimes I have to talk to the boss myself about that, but it also funds the rest of my life and lets me pursue my artistic endeavors and, you know, helps me pay for my circus classes and, you know, all of the things that I actually really enjoy doing that I do in the mornings and the, you know, early afternoons or whenever. And it has been super great. So I love the lifestyle, definitely the right thing for me. And it's been really great. Yeah, man. You know, not a lot of people know this about me, so I'm going to drop a bombshell for some of our listeners, but I'm actually an honor thespian. Oh yeah. So going back to that acting stuff, man, it was something that I absolutely enjoyed in high school and then just kind of figured out, you know, probably some of the same struggles you've gone through of acting, not being able to pay the bills type thing. I was like, well, the struggle's just not going to be worth what you get. You know, that old saying the squeeze isn't worth the juice type thing. And yeah, it's not that it wouldn't be eventually, but I knew that my life was going to go in a different way. So I never got to kind of pursue that. But man, I'm absolutely jealous you're out here living the dream because I'm going to tell you cruise ships, definitely one of my favorite places to be. If I wasn't a family man with kids and everything else, I'd probably be on a cruise ship right now myself. So that had to be a lot of fun. Oh, it's a blast. I totally love it. Also, you know what? Every year I go to the thespian conferences in the fall, winter and teach classes to the high school thespian kids. I mean, like the Colorado Thespian Convention has 5,000 kids there every year. And I talk to them about yeah. stage presence and about what it's like to be like a working actor and all that stuff. And I make no money doing that, but it, that's not the point. It's my giveaway back to that community because it meant a lot to me in high school. And I really love it. So that's so great. Maybe we went to some of those same conferences. There's a great one in Texas. Yes. So Texas was obviously, that's where I grew up. So that was the one I went to. We were Troop 4901 out of Waller, Texas, man. Little bitty old city, little high school. And sure enough, man, yeah, I went to a lot of the Texas Despian conventions, I think three, maybe four of them. And yeah, it was back in the early 2000s. There were probably 2,500 to 3,000 kids there. It was a big deal back then. So I can't imagine what it's up to now. Oh, man, it's huge. They're so enormous. And they're really fun places for kids to not get made fun of (laughs) for doing what they love. Right. Really, that's really important to me. Yeah, no, it was definitely going into it. I knew it was going to be something considered to be kind of nerdy or offbeat, but what other people have an opinion of uh, doesn't normally concern me. So it was just something I enjoyed doing. And I still kind of dabble in some of that stuff. You know, I like to sing and that kind of thing. So it's fun to do that stuff. But unfortunately for me, I had to learn to grow up pretty early and just kind of find something that was going to pay the bills right away. So I'm kind of stuck in this little shift between working for someone and working for myself where I get the best of both worlds, you know, a steady paycheck and then build something for myself. Absolutely. You know, one of the, I've read a lot of books, especially when I was like, maybe I should start taking this company more seriously. Like actually put, you know, if I put half of the amount of creative effort that I put into my company that I put into my artistic career, maybe I'll have something. 
And one of the things that can be really tough for people is leaving the security of the job that gives you the W-2, you know, is the steady paycheck, the health insurance, the contributions to your 401k, all of that stuff. And you know what? It's great. And the older I get, the more I'm like, you know what? I see the value. I really get it. And, you know, the first time you get hit with self-employment tax in April, it's just brutal. It's like, ow, hey, I earned that. Why are you taking it from me? But, you know, we got to... Yep. Got to pay for the roads and the public schools, which is good. So yeah, it can really be tough for people trying to make that transition. And uh, the entrepreneurial lifestyle is the right thing for me because I always feel like I've got a fire underneath me, just like always like, okay, what's the next thing? How can I do this better? How can I improve the system? How can I offer better service to people? How can I like enjoy the contribution I'm making to the world as much as possible in this? And you know what? It's hard and it's not for everybody, but I have found it. I don't think I can ever work for somebody in that capacity ever again. Like, you know, acting jobs are one thing, but as far as like working at a company, it would be really hard for me unless I had a superior who was like really, really amazing. It would be tough. Yeah, that's where I'm lucky is with Beefy Marketing, who helps me put together this podcast and all that stuff. It's owned by a high school buddy of mine, you know, so it is a lot like a frat house inside that office sometimes because our video producer is also a high school buddy of ours. And I don't know if he is an honor thespian, but I know that he was big into tech theater. That's how we knew each other and kind of hung out because he was a couple grade levels above me. He was just slightly older, but you know, totally involved in the theater program and all that stuff. So we went through that stuff together and it is, man, it's a lot of fun coming to work. It doesn't feel like a clock in clock out job because it's not. And I get to do cool stuff like podcasts, which still gives me a little bit of that feel like I'm performing, you know, because people have an expectation. They want to hear my voice. They want to hear the voice of my guests. They come back every single week to do that. And it is cool, man. It gives me kind of a fulfillment, like I'm getting to do what I've always wanted to do anyway. Oh, that's great. And, you know, even having just met you like just now and hearing you talk, you, I can already tell that you possess one of these skills that's just absolutely vital for, shall we say, extroverting your talent. (laughs) And that is charisma. Like I've been thinking so much about like, what is that? What is charisma? And I honestly, the more I think about it, the more I come back to, I think it's just people who want to be of service to others. I think that puts a little glow around people that everybody really likes. And it's this sort of like, not egolessness, you know, not necessarily, because you, you have to really believe in yourself to like own your oh, business yeah. or do your own thing, no matter what that is. But I think a lot about what skills can I teach my students? Can I teach them how to use a semicolon? Yes, I can. Can I teach them the difference between who and whom or how to find the like area of a circle? Yes, absolutely. Can I teach them how to be curious? I'm working on it. Not really. Can I teach them how to be charismatic? Not really. Can I teach them how to be driven? No. Can I show them what that looks like? Sure. Can I show them what self-discipline looks like? Yes. But in order to really be successful at pulling yourself up and through all of the vicissitudes and difficulties of striking out on your own, you got to develop those skills for yourself. And self-discipline is really tough, but it really sets you free because once you are able to adhere to a schedule that you set yourself and meet your own expectations, all of a sudden, all of the work that you put forward is not making someone else rich. It's making you rich. 
It's creating momentum for yourself. And it's creating like this forward motion and you wake up a year later and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I worked on growing my social media presence every single day for an hour for a year. And all of a sudden I have a social media presence that I didn't have a year ago. And that's like an insurmountable task, right? It's like, oh, okay, I got to get a bunch of followers on social media, whichever platform you use. It's so difficult, but just a little bit over time and the discipline to stick with that is what creates it. And then all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you're like, hey, I did it. There it is. Yeah. Now, it's not something that I think is easily taught, but going into, you know, what you do with growth prep. So part of that I'm familiar with because I have had other conversations with tutoring agencies before. And part of what you do is executive function. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Tons of plans. So all that. how does that kind of like play into some of this stuff we're talking about now? Because to my knowledge, executive function isn't necessarily just the here's, you know, one plus one equals two or here's how to structure the sentence or write an essay. Executive function goes more into setting yourself up for success, correct? Yeah, that's right. So executive functioning is actually based on a specific part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex. So if you hit yourself right on the forehead, you found it. There it is. And that area of the brain is actually it develops a little bit later. So the prefrontal cortex doesn't really start to develop until teenager dumb. And so for, especially for when I teach young kids who are like 10 years old, like they just don't have the capacity. They literally do not have the brain yet to be able to plan out how to do a ton of homework over the course of a week, right? They just like don't possess that skill yet because their brain hasn't developed it yet. It's like growing to be whatever height you're going to be. Like you're just not there until you're there. So with what I do with a lot of my students is... If they're having executive functioning issues, which is planning, long-term planning, the ability to sort of like, I don't know if you know the famous like marshmallow experiment, like I'll give you a marshmallow now, or if you don't take this marshmallow, I will give you two marshmallows in five minutes. Oh, yep. You know, mm -hmm. that whole thing. So teaching kids what it means to get the two marshmallows instead of the one and the value of waiting. And so it looks like different things for different students because obviously everybody's brain is different. But how do I put this exactly? It's really watching a student reap a reward that they waited for for the first time is insane to watch. And one of the places I see that the most clearly is actually with my 17-year-olds in the college admissions process because they spend months putting these applications together and then, you know, in the middle of December, they start to get their decisions back. And like, if they get into their top choice school, which many of them did this year, all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I don't have to worry about this for six months. And all of my friends are going to have to worry about it because they didn't do it at the right, not at the right time. It's, there's no right time to do it, but they didn't do it early. So now they have to wait till April or May to find out. And watching students sort of understand that for the first time is pretty wild, to be honest, because it's like, yep, that's. Now that applies to your health and working out and cooking for yourself and making sure you're paid up on your taxes and your debts and all of those things require that skill set as well. Good luck, kiddo. Hope you learn how to do that because that's the real adult <laughs> thing right there. Yeah. So whenever you offer these services to people, is this something that you just kind of do online or is it in home only? It's a little bit of both. It's almost entirely online now. People actually prefer it that way for the most part because uh, it makes scheduling a lot easier. I much prefer it that way because when I started working from home, I cut out my commute time. I literally got three to four hours of my life back every single day. 
Like yeah. it was amazing. And you know, when I lived in New York and was hoofing it to and fro, you know, I listened to podcasts, I read books, I like, you know, did a whole bunch of stuff on the subway, listened to music, whatever. But I could use that time more effectively if I were at home, able to access the internet, like on my computer, able to like do some actual work, or, you know, film something, make some content, whatever. So it has been a huge boon to do things virtually now. And I do have some tutors who go to people's houses, they go in person, usually it's more expensive, because that's an extra service. And then the tutor has to, you know, travel half an hour each way or so. And some people prefer that. And that's great. They're like, yes, please. I'm like, okay, whatever you want. So that's been the good part. But oh, man, having everything online just completely changed my life. It was so great for me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm one of those that loves the ability to be able to work on things from wherever I'm at. So as bad as COVID was, it made some really good changes in our life. In my opinion, I think we can get a lot of things done over, you know, virtual visits like this or just working on things from home, what have you. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that there's still definitely a place for in-person visits on certain things. But ultimately, I think it just kind of showed us that there is a different way to get things done. Absolutely. And, you know, I actually am very blunt with my clients about this because I had somebody who wanted to pay my full rate to work with their student on a test. And they wanted someone in person. And I said, you know, I'm here to provide the service that's going to work best for you and your family. So if you guys want somebody in person, I'm probably not your guy. And you can definitely find somebody else. I will not be offended if you don't choose my services, because this is kind of what I have to do. This is how I run my business. I wasn't angry with them. They did go with somebody else who could come in person, but that's what they needed. And like, that's not what I'm selling, right? So it can be tough because did I want that client? Yes, I did. They were a referral from another client. They were lovely to talk to. They seemed so great and the money would not have hurt at all. That would have been awesome. Their kids seemed really awesome. I was like, I would love this client, but I couldn't actually provide the thing that they really needed. So I need to let them go to somebody else because I couldn't drive, you know, an hour to their house. It wasn't going to work that way. You know, I think that's something that customers and businesses struggle to deal with is finding out that whenever you're listening to a sales pitch, it's not just a sales pitch of someone trying to sell you a service or a product that you may or may not need. You know, sometimes it comes down to that, but there are those times too, that you have to figure out if that company that you're listening to a sales pitch from is a good fit for you and vice versa. You know, that's one of the biggest things you spoke about, you know, in a roundabout way on this was saying that your rates were what they were. And if people could, afford that or if people wanted to pay that then they would and if they couldn't maybe they're not a good fit for you and that's something as a salesman myself is hard to come to terms with sometimes but even on the customer side you have to realize that not every company is offering something that is exactly what you need it to be and sometimes that may mean that they're out of budget for you or it may mean that you know, the way that they're going to deliver that product in your case is just not something that's going to fit well with what you need. That's so true. And the thing that I really strongly believe is that if it would be unpleasant for the family to pay the rate that I need to make for my business, they should not go with me. They should go with somebody else because I don't want to stress them out. That's not the point. I'm here to make their life better, not worse. So if there's something about the business arrangement that's going to not work for them or or be something that stresses them out, I don't want to take them as a client because that's not what I'm on this earth to do. I'm not here to just take people's money and have them be stressed out and have them, you know, have to sacrifice a ton just so they can pay me. That's awful. I don't want to do that. Now, that does come from a place of, you know, I am now privileged enough that I make enough money that I can say no. So, you know, 
five years ago when I was in my, oh my gosh, I barely make the rent and the utilities and like have barely enough money to feed myself. I was not in a position to refuse work, no matter whatever it was. I was like, you want to pay me 50 bucks an hour, 20 bucks an hour? I kind of got to take it because unless it's more expensive (laughs) for me to get there than it is, you know, obviously there are some factors at play. But, you know, I was not in a position to say no to anyone, basically, because I needed the money. And one of the immense freedoms that I have really enjoyed this year is now that I make enough money to live and to, you know, cover all my expenses comfortably, if I don't want to take a client, I don't have to. And that's that's a huge change for me. And it really was a mindset shift. And, you know, I'm not being rude when I say no to people. It's just like, I am allowed to have a quality of life that I want and that I deserve. And so if, you know, I interview a client and they're just really stressed out and I can tell that like, if they're just not a person that I would enjoy being in a relationship with for six months or two years or however long, I can say, I'm so sorry. Like I have another tutor if you want to talk to them and that tutor can see if they're a good fit. Otherwise, like it's totally fine. You can go somewhere else. I don't need it. Yeah. And it's not being mean. It's not being ugly. Like you said, it is just strictly we're going to have to deal with each other for quite a long time, hopefully. And I don't want to deal with someone that I don't get along with, even if it's not from an anger side of things, you know, like, oh, this person upsets me, makes me mad, or I just don't like them or anything like that. It's just from a perspective of you don't want to work with everyone. It'd be no different to me than, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to marry this person just because they look good. And just because, you know, I like something about them or they give me some sort of benefit. It's like, no, I'm going to marry this person because I enjoy being around them. And, you know, a lot of times this client to a business relationship is a lot like a marriage. We're partners working on a project together. And that project can oftentimes take a lot of really intimate time. I mean, like tutoring, there's not much more that's, you know, more intimate than that because you're either being invited into their home virtually or physically and then spending a lot of time face to face with this person. And if you don't jive 100%, I can see how that'd be an unpleasant experience. Oh, absolutely. And the thing that is both the great joy and the great drain for me is that my job is to be 100% present with each student for that hour or however long they were together. And that is my job. And so I do not look at my phone for that hour. You know, I'm totally 100% with that person. And that means that I can only take a certain number of people because it's exhausting. You know, yeah, it's like being a therapist in a lot of ways because it's you have to be totally plugged into that person. And so I only have a certain capacity and I have exceeded that capacity in the past to my own detriment and talk about my business partner and I were joking the other day because he was like, you know, you sure did get paid to learn that lesson. A lot of times you pay to learn a lesson, but he was like, you got paid to learn this lesson that you overworked yourself and like took too many clients. And I was like, that's a good point that I'm going to take that for what it's worth and just smile and not do that again. (laughs) Yeah. So this kind of process we're talking about then, obviously this is something that starts off your conversation with a potential client. So if I am a potential client and I feel like that myself or my child needs this tutoring service that you offer, then just kind of walk me through what it's like to become a client, how I should do that. What a great question. So 
the first thing that has to happen is usually the client makes contact with me or there's a reference from a friend. So like my email is Nathaniel at groveprep.com or, you know, I get emails through my website and other types of things, but it's pretty easy to find me and Grove Prep is on the internet. My website took forever to build. And I'm so proud of it, but you know, they contact me and then I usually set up a phone call of which doesn't cost anything. It's just a consult. And basically what I want to know is what are the parents goals for the kid and then where are we trying to get to? So I can never, ever guarantee, like if somebody calls me for college admissions, I'm not going to say, well, if you work with me, I will unquestionably get them into their top five schools, no matter what they are. No, that's false. Like that's absolutely ridiculous. In the same way, if they're like, we want our kid to get a perfect score on the SAT, I'm like, well, <laughs> no, but <laughs> I can sure get them up there. I can teach them all the things that they need to know. And so I sort of, what I do is I lay out the expectations. And one of the things that I have gotten better at over the last year or so is saying, these are the things that you will do for me to work with you. You are going to have consistent lessons once a week for this period of time, usually about 10 weeks for the SAT or the ACT. I'm going to assign this much homework and I won't be mad if the kid doesn't do the homework because I know it gets busy sometimes, but they won't improve as much as I can help them improve unless they do it. And then you're going to take this test. You're going to follow all my directions on this. And if you can do that, then I can help you. And then they say, oh my gosh, okay, sure. And it's such an inversion of the relationship that I'm used to where the client says, we want this, 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 and this. And I say, okay, I'll give it to you. Instead, I say, if you want to be my client, you have to do this, 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 and this, and then I will help you. Yeah. No, I mean, that's fair because that's something that, you know, talking about websites, that's one of the products that I sell for my buddy. And we have to lay those expectations out too, because so much of your website being launched is dependent on how much you get us when we ask for it. And if you delay that process at all, then it just delays the process of the website. So I, I can see that correlation there. Yeah. And you know, to be honest, this is also the way that I would want to be treated if I were hiring someone to do something that's important for me. So if, for example, I'm hiring movers or something and the movers, you know, if there's no communication and they show up and then get mad that I haven't like done the things I was supposed to do, that's not a good relationship. But if they say, here's what you need to do. You need to pack all of these boxes. We are going to pack the glass things for you. You know, you might want to take this and this with you in your car when you move or whatever. I just moved. So this is right on my mind. And if yep. they give me clear expectations of what they need, I actually want to hire them more because I'm like, okay, these people, like they're really with it. They are professionals. They know what they're doing and I'm going to help them help me basically. <laughs> yeah. And if you are not hiring a moving company, whenever you have to move, I need to get a moving company on this podcast. I don't know what you're doing with your life because moving yourself just sucks. And having a moving company, a good one really takes the stress off of I you. I can't, I can't recommend. <laughs> I know that's nothing about what this podcast is supposed to be about on this episode, but you know, since we went that direction, man, oh, moving companies save oh, lives the, and my back. Yeah. Like I, yep. old. I'm too old. And also I don't want to cash in my friend favors for that. I don't want to call my friends and be like, Hey, can you help me move? Like, that's like a big, Oh God. Wow. I really love this guy. I better go help him. Like, yeah, beer and pizza only go yeah, so far. Exactly. And we're all too old now to be doing that. So yeah, <laughs> that's it's <laughs> less expensive if you're if you're moving in the same city, it's less expensive. So that's I highly recommend that cost.
Yep. So obviously you alluded to this earlier. I know that you're not just a resource I can come to and pay to get information from. I know that you offer a bunch of stuff for free because you've got a podcast about it. So just kind of walk me through some of those things that you're offering out there. If we follow you and partake in all the information that you're releasing. Oh, well, thanks for asking. So it's been so fun to create content for the internet because that is the form of, of marketing that I use because here's the thing that I have discovered. The thing that is my skill set, the information, you can find information on the SAT or the ACT anywhere on the internet for free. But the implementation of it, the teaching of it, and the skill set of it is what I possess and my tutors possess. So my podcast, Top Tutor Podcast, is totally free. And like, for example, just today I posted an episode in which I do my entire introductory spiel on the SAT, ACT. So like if you were to call me for a consult, I just recorded what I would say to you and then put it in as a podcast so that you can just hear it and get that information for free. And so there's a ton of information on the SAT, ACT, college admissions, the IC, tests, homework, AP tests, whatever, on the website, all kinds of things. Got the podcast that people have found really helpful. I actually had some students get into college this year using my podcast. I'm so happy. They listened to it. And they followed my advice and they got into college. I'm so happy about it. Obviously they had other help, but oh, that was just thrilling to me. And then one of the other things that I do is when people call me, I sort of can give them an analysis of like where their student is at based on the standards of where they want their kid to go either to college or what, you know, benchmarks they're trying to make, whether it's like, I have a C in chemistry. How do I get an A in chemistry? I just, I've done it so long that for basically any subject, I'm like, well, did they turn in all their homework? Do they have any zeros? Do they blah, blah, blah. So that's a bunch of stuff that I do for free and that is a real blast for me. I have taken pieces of my podcast and put them on TikTok and have been just floored by how popular they've been. Like every week, there's at least one video that goes over 100,000 views. I've got a million on some of them. It's just turns out it's a thing that people can engage with and that is important to them, especially kids. So those are all things that I do. And then the actual tutoring itself is the, you know, session by session or an hour or a couple hours, whatever, doing the task that the student needs help with. And so that's the like real hard work of it. And that's what I really specialize in. And that's also the thing that you cannot fake. So when people are hiring a tutor, one of the things I really recommend is that don't hover because hovering is not so fun when a tutor and a kid are in a lesson together, but you hire the tutor. If you feel good about them, you pay them for that introductory rate. Please don't ask tutors to do an hour for free. That's not how it works, but you can pay them for an hour and then see how your kid feels about it. Because how the kid feels is really important because if the kid is disengaged, you should not spend money on that. I call clients of mine and I say, Hey, you know, I love working with you guys, but your student is unfortunately just like really detached. And so maybe we should take a break because I don't want you to spend money on this if you're not getting what you're paying for. That's ridiculous. I don't like that. So, and then see how the kid feels because if they're engaged with the tutor, no matter who they are, that's a really good sign that they're going to engage with the work and actually get better at the thing that you're paying the tutor to help them get better at. <laughs> So right. it can be a little bit difficult, but you know, when parents are hiring to, and that's also a good reason to talk to a tutoring company about tutors because tutoring companies are experts in who's a good tutor and who's not, at least they should be. That's the goal. I hire very, very, very few, like maybe 5% of the people that I interview. I interview a lot of tutors and a lot of them. I'm like, no, 
no, this is not my vibe. Like I need you to make sure you're emailing on time. I need you to know this content, like the back of your hand in your sleep. You got to be able to do the SAT. You know, I have very high standards for the people I hire. And so that can be a good reason to pay more to go through a tutoring company because they do that work for you. That's what tutoring companies get paid to do is, is that specialization, that professionalism. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, man. So just go ahead then one more time and plug all of the channels that you're on, where we can follow you and where we can support you if we're not in a position to call you and start giving you money to tutor our oh, kids. Thanks so much. Yeah. So my TikTok is the top tutor and that's been going super fun. I post my clips from my podcast on there. My podcast is the top tutor podcast that I do with my business partner, Alex Friedman, who owns Brooklyn Math Tutors in New York City. He's awesome. We have great conversations about and pretty blunt conversations about education and test prep and all of those things. My website is groveprep.com and all of my contact information is on there, Nathaniel at groveprep.com. And then I've got, you know, a dozen tutors or so who are all slightly different versions of me. I mean, so, you know, there's all genders, all types of people, all specializations, all ages, folks that I have interviewed who are really, really special people that can be really fun to talk to. And that I guarantee, I guarantee that if the kid wants to be there, we can find somebody who will work well with them. And most of it is online, but hopefully those free resources will help people get pointed in the right direction, whether you hire a tutor or not. And in fact, I have entire podcast episodes about should you hire a tutor or not? Because I don't want people to spend money on things that are not going to be useful for them. And so there's all kinds of stuff to just see if that's a decision you want to make and also just get a lot of that information that's out there that I think people deserve to have because I think people should make informed decisions. And then if they need my help individually, I'm here for them. So, yeah. Heck yeah, man. We will put all of those links and resources down in our show notes as always. That way we can make sure that everybody who's listening has a chance to connect with you and get that information. But I got to thank you for being on the show. I think it was an awesome show. I think that we got some really good information out there for people and man, you're just a pleasure to talk to. So I really appreciate it. Thanks so it. much, John. This was so much fun. And if anybody ever has any questions, I'm open. I'm, I'm sitting at my computer, either like going through auditions or helping some students learn their, you know, learn how to use a semicolon and answering emails. <laughs> I'm around. Perfect. Well, listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Small Business Origins. This was Nathaniel Dolquist with Grove Prep. So please check out the show notes, find him online, get all that free information from him. Like, follow, subscribe to every channel he's got, every channel we have. But as always, I was your host, John Kelly, aka John the Marketer. We're going to have to do a collaboration on TikTok because I need to get some of these views too. But you can find me all over the web. And, you know, we're, we're passing out some good information on there too. So please continue to support our guests and our company as you always have. But all I can do is really just thank you again for tuning in because these episodes mean so much to small businesses and entrepreneurs, just like the one we had on today. So that's it for us. That's another episode. We'll see you next week. And as always, stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. You guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it.